0: Good morning, guys, and welcome. I'm Randy. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, Love Raf, and uh, man, appreciate so much him taking our kids uh, on a weekly basis, but uh, getting them away for a few days. That is awesome. Some great things happen. Guys, I'm glad you're here. Man, this is an incredible day, Uh, just uh, beautiful in every way. It's beautiful because we're all here together, uh, and we're here to worship. And uh, you know, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been in this series. We began, uh, I guess, three weeks ago today, uh, talking about the road to recovery And we're talking about how to handle the hurts, the habits, and hang-ups of our life and the challenges that we deal with. And we said in the beginning of the series that that don't be fooled into thinking that we're just talking about people who are dealing with life-controlling circumstances. We are. Uh, We are dealing with people who are in recovery or need to be in recovery and are finding hope and healing from uh, from what they've gotten themselves into, what God's getting them out of. But we're also dealing with the regular issues of life, people that we might call normal or whatever normal is in our world today, uh, but but just need some help. We need some encouragement, some people to come alongside of them. So God's doing some really, really cool things in our church. And through this study, we're looking at recovery. And, um, you know, preachers have this thing we do. You know, we like... Uh, We like an acronym. We like a word, you know, to to walk through. So we're doing that. We're taking the word recovery. Each week we're adding to that word, uh, each letter, and we're finding a step toward recovery. In the first week we said the R is for reality. It is to realize that I'm not God, to realize that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, that my life is unmanageable. In other words, I have problems that I cannot control. And then the second week, we said that uh, that's the hope week, which is uh, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. And then last week, if you were here, uh, Tony shared a great message about commitment, the commitment step, that I need to commit all of my life and my will to Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind these steps are built one on the other. That we realize there's a God, that He cares about us, that we're willing to commit our life to God through Jesus Christ. And today we're going to take the next step. We're going to take uh, the uh, the fourth step in this, which is the letter O. I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. Before we do that, let me just tell you what God's teaching me. You know, God's teaching me a lot through this experience because I get a chance through this and just in kind of where our church is right now to rub elbows, to be connected, some uh, amazing people in recovery. Some of those folks are through our Celebrate Recovery that our core group is meeting already. Others are just people that I'm meeting in, in our community and just some amazing people uh, that I love to, to, to listen to and hear what God's doing in their lives. But you know, oftentimes God does some things to us personally that we get to experience as well. So I want to share what God's teaching me personally uh, because sometimes it's kind of painful. The lessons we learn ourselves are painful ones, right? So here's what happened. Two weeks ago yesterday, uh, I was in an accident. Uh, we always think car accidents, but it, this, was, uh, this was on, our, on my lawnmower. Uh, and I've discovered that we have a little farm, five acres, but there's amazing, there's no limited ways to be hurt on a farm, right? So let me just say, uh, I was mowing the yard, the backyard. We got kind of a hill. And uh, I, I'd, I'd done this many times, letting the, the mower roll backwards. I had it in gear and forward gear. I popped the clutch and it, and it reared up off the ground. Now, it's it, Never done that like that before, but it was the perfect storm because when it did that, it swung around, and the front wheel actually got on a tree, and my mower ran up that tree. And I know it sounds really odd, but it went up, and it actually flipped back on top of me. Now, that happened really, really fast, and I wasn't sure what happened or how I survived it, but the next thing I knew, I was alive, when number one, and I wasn't hurt very badly either, which was awesome. Uh, You know, I I could not believe. I thought, you know, I must have superhuman strength in some way because this thing weighed about 450 pounds, and somehow it ended up behind me, several feet away behind me over there. But but the problem is I don't have superhuman strength, so I know it wasn't me. I believe that God stepped in, and God said, this uh, poor fool is going to kill himself. I'm going to help him out. So I think God stepped in, threw the mower off me. Uh, I did, however, use superhuman strength to flip it back over on its, on its wheels, and went on to mow the yard after that. But I, I got the first thing I did, I got up and I thought, I thank God, because I knew how serious it was. And I thank God that I, I was seemingly un, unhurt. Now, to be honest with you, I really wasn't as unhurt as I thought, because I have been super sore the last couple of weeks. I know I cracked some ribs, uh, which I've done before. So uh, it just hurts to kind of breathe and lay down. Those are the two things it really hurts to do. Other than that, you know, life's pretty good. But, but, you know, here's what I discovered because I've been in recovery for a few days here uh, trying to recover from that. And, and we talked about that recovery has broad applications over a lot of areas of our life. Some, some habits, some hang-ups, uh, some addictions, a lot of different things. But here's what I've discovered about my own, own recovery. Here, here's one thing, and that is that I didn't tell a lot of people about it. And there are some things in life you just don't tell everybody about. Now, a few people know uh, but but for the most part, I didn't talk a lot about it. In fact, I preached the next day uh, after I was uh, after I got hurt, and you guys probably didn't even know that. Uh, even though it's been a little bit sore, I didn't tell a lot of people because it was a little bit embarrassing. It, it was a little I was a little bit ashamed of that. It was a dumb thing to do. A lot of our issues in life are like that. We're not necessarily proud of them. You know, it's who we are. It's what we've done. But we don't talk a lot about it many times. Here's another thing. Uh, this accident was not intentional, but I have to own it. There wasn't anybody else around that I could blame this on. I caused it myself. Here's something else. I've continued to function. A lot of people hadn't even known that, that it was, uh, you know, I was hurt, but I knew inside. I knew inside because it's limited some of the things that I can do. Many things that I've done before, I can't lift as much right now, kind of hard to lay down. I've been limited in what I can do. Here's something else I've learned. Recovery is painful and slow. It kind of hurts to go through it sometimes. Here's something else I know. I'm going to do my best, but it could happen again because I have to mow my yard multiple times, right? It could happen again. I am weak and vulnerable. I'm going to do dumb things. But I know through this that God rescued me from greater harm. It could have been a lot worse. and know it could have been crippling. It could have taken my life. People are killed in lesser accidents than that. But with God's care and God's help, I'm being healed. Now, when I look at that whole thing, I think, okay, why did this happen? Why did this happen? God surely could have prevented this. I've mowed that spot many times before. God chose to let this happen to me. I don't know why. But I'm not a victim. I don't want to be a victimist thing. I'm just a human being. I've got faults. I've got vulnerabilities like everybody else. But I know this. This is what I know. My life belongs to God. I need to do my best to take care of this life and this body, such as it is, to stay healthy in every way to use it for God's glory. That's what God's teaching me through recovery. I hope you can identify with it in some way, all right? So that takes us to the next step, the next step we have. So we've been talking about realizing there's a God, realizing that we matter to God, God has the power to help us, realizing we have to commit ourselves to Him, and the day the O in recovery stands for. Openly examining and confessing my faults to God, to myself, and to someone I trust. Openly examining and confessing my faults to God, to myself, and someone that I trust. You know, they call this the coming clean step or the house cleaning step. And that is that there comes a time in life where you realize, I've got all this junk, I've got all this stuff I'm carrying around, it's time to get rid of some of this. And to be honest with you, a lot of this is going to be about guilt today. Because I believe that many of us carry around guilt in our lives, guilt from things that we have done or said, uh, or maybe that we've been involved in for a long time, and we just carry it all of our lives. I believe that guilt is what keeps us stuck in the past. I think guilt is what kind of keeps us from growing and moving on in our life. The reality is that all of us make mistakes. We all have regrets. We all have remorse for certain things. We wish we could turn back the clock. We wish we could do things differently few weeks ago, we probably heard Don Trump Jr. He said, uh, in reference to that meeting he had with the Russians, he said, I would have done things differently. That's probably an understatement, isn't it? All of us can look back and think of t- things in our life that we say, man, I would have done that differently if I had to do all over again. But regardless of what we would have done in the past, if we could have changed it, we haven't. And so because of what our, we've done, our actions, we feel guilty and we carry our, that guilt around with us. For some of us, we carry it around consciously. In other words, we're constantly beating ourselves up about what we have done. We think that we almost deserve to suffer because of our shame, because of decisions we've made that hurt ourselves, or how we've hurt other people in life, or what we have done. We beat ourselves up with it. But, you know, even if we don't think of it consciously like that, we also unconsciously carry around guilt. And we do it unconsciously by sometimes denying our guilt. We're in denial or we deny responsibility for it. We repress it. We blame other people. We excuse ourselves. We rationalize ourselves for why we did something. Now, how do we handle that? Some people suggest, you know what? You've done it. Now you've got to deal with it. You are doomed all of your life to walk around with this guilt on your shoulders that you carry the burden for the rest of your life. You just live with the guilt. But, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible tells us, in fact, that if we're going to recover from the hurts and habits and hang-ups of our lives, then we have to learn to let go of the guilt, to release the guilt, to get it out of our lives. So how do we do that? We do that by taking step number four of this road to recovery, this process. The Bible says in Psalms 132, excuse me, Psalm 32, "'Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven.'" whose sins are covered, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. You know, the word blessed, we see that in the Bible. It it means not only blessed, it means also happy. It means that we can find joy when our transgressions have been lifted from us, when we've been forgiven, when God does not hold them against us any longer. See, the reality is that whenever we do something that's wrong, even one time, God has designed us that we feel a little guilty about that. Our conscience moves us to realize our mistake and to feel badly about it. Now, that is if you have a healthy conscience. The Bible says it's possible for our conscience to be so seared that we don't feel guilt any longer. We don't feel any pain anymore. But if we have a healthy conscience, we do something wrong, we know that it's not right and we feel badly about it. Add on top of that another layer of being a Christian. And the Bible says that when we give our life to Christ, he comes into us through his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit is in our lives, and his Spirit lays a level of accountability on us. So when we do something, not only breaking man's law, but God's law, which is is more severe, when we break God's law, the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we know it's wrong. So working together, our conscience and and the Spirit tell us that, that we're responsible. We need to feel badly about this. Now, the problem is, if we don't do something about it, and especially if we continue in our sin, we get to the place where our hearts are hardened, and we don't feel the pain of guilt anymore. An example might be, let's say you're walking down the road, and, and you get something in your shoe, and you know you should stop and get it out, but because you don't want to slow down or stop, you just keep going. And It's really sharp, and it's painful, and it's causing you to limp. You know it's doing damage. It's slowing you down, but you just keep going. If you do that, a couple of things are going to happen. One thing is, that you're probably uh, going to do some damage to your foot. But the other thing is, over time, you will wear off the sharp edge of that stone, or that object, and then you will also build a callus on your foot. And Before you know it, you won't feel it. However, you'll still be doing damage. You'll still be limping, slowing yourself down. Why do we walk through life carrying the burdens, dealing with the, the, the problems in our life when we can set ourselves free? That's the issue. But many people don't understand that it's available and, or know how to get themselves rid of the guilt. So why is it important to get rid of it? Well, we all know what guilt does in our hearts, right? Guilt has a way of working inside of us. It, it destroys our confidence. Guilt makes us feel insecure about ourselves. We're always worried that someone's going to discover who we are inside. We have this persona we want to project on the outside, but we know who we are. We know what we've done. And we always worry that someone would find us out and not like us. You know, I'm told that many years ago, a famous writer decided to uh, play a trick on some uh, uh, friends of his, some famous businessmen. We would call it a prank today. But he wrote a letter to them, an anonymous letter, and here's what it said. It said, all is found out, flee at once. And it said that within 24 hours, all five of those guys had left the country. You know, we don't know what they did but they knew, didn't they? They knew exactly what they had done. Their guilt was working on, all it took was someone finding out. And they ran. And we fear what people will find out about us, the type of people that we are. And we worry about that. Guilt is like a cloud that hangs over our head and it erodes our sense of mind uh, and our our sense of of confidence in ourselves. Second thing also, guilt also damages our relationship with other people. It affects us personally, it damages us, but it damages other relationships as well. Guilt has a way of making us impatient and angry and hurtful. A lot of times we carry that around, and I've been around people, and you know it's hard for, to put your finger on what it is, but there's something about them that just repels other people. It repels relationships. Or in many cases, guilt may make us try too hard to please somebody because we feel guilty about something and we overcompensate for them. Parents do this sometimes, you know. We've failed our kids in some way, so we overcompensate. We can't spend time with them. We feel guilty, so we give them too many things, and that's not healthy, or we spoil them in some way. Guilt can cause us to avoid a commitment, or it can cause us to sabotage a relationship. Maybe you are having a hard time making a commitment to a person, your spouse, or your family member, or friends, and you can't have a good, strong relationship. And the reason many times, many times may be guilt in that relationship, perhaps brought over from even another relationship. But whatever it may be, it does affect us internally in many ways. Guilt has a way of dividing our relationships, even though what we do may seem right. Let me give you an example. Today, there are many couples that choose to live together before marriage, or if they're not living together, they're sexually active, even though they know that God's law, God's word says that's wrong. And let me just tell you, that's one of the worst things that a person can do, a couple can do, for the health of their marriage. Premarital cohabitation has been shown to be linked to several multiple outcomes, including higher levels of physical violence, wife infidelity, and lower levels of marital quality. It also leads to kind of a relationship, a paradigm of a very passive husband and a very aggressive wife. And the reason... They know, they discovered, is that there's guilt in the relationship. We kind of started things off wrong. God says it's this the order, we've changed the order, we've messed it up, and there's some guilt in that. That can be repaired, that can be fixed, but if it's never acknowledged and dealt with, it can actually cause a break in the relationship. So it affects us, it affects our relationship with others, but guilt also has a way of keeping us stuck in the past. A few weeks ago, I used the example of. You wouldn't drive your car by looking only in the rearview mirror. You wouldn't black out the windshield and just use the rearview mirror. That would be crazy. Now, you would have perspective of where you've been by looking at the rearview mirror, but going forward, you would certainly have a wreck. You, You just simply can't drive that way. That's what guilt does. It kind of locks us in to blacking out what's in front of us and thinking only about the past. There are two things in life that are really difficult. One of them is guilt, and the other is worry. Guilt cannot change the past like worry cannot change the future, but both of them can really make us sick and miserable. Now, the reality is that while our relationships are affected by guilt, we affect ourselves most by guilt. We literally wear ourselves out with it until one day we decide, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to get rid of this. So if you're here today and you know that you're a slave to guilt... You're a slave to shame. You're a slave to fear, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you to do yourself a favor. Give yourself a gift. You deserve it. Will you do this? Will you let go of the guilt in your past? Let go of your guilt. Now, that may sound really easy. Uh, I said in first service that it, uh, you know, it, it sounds easy. Uh, we think losing five pounds is easy. Uh, that's hard. Losing guilt may be even more difficult, but it's easier because we have a, w- a way to get rid of it quicker than losing the weight, all right? So that's an encouragement to us. How do we do this step? How do we get rid of the guilt in our lives? How do we deal with, how do we resolve this guilt that is very natural for us? Well, let me give you a little process to do it, four or five steps. First of all, you need to take a moral inventory of your life, a moral inventory. And what that means is that you need to get alone by yourself where it's a quiet time with no distractions and ask yourself the question, very simply, what have I done that I feel guilty about? What have I done that I feel guilty about? Who are the people, perhaps, that I have hurt in, in this situation that I've been in? Um, what do I regret in life? What faults do I see in my life that I know that I need to change? Now, you can come up with a few things on your own, probably, but here's the other thing. Begin to ask God to reveal these things to your mind the conscious things and the, and the subconscious things as well. Here's what the Bible says in uh, Psalms 139, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that an incredible scripture? Uh, a scripture of just opening our hearts up to God. I want to I ask if you would just to close your eyes a second. I want to repeat that again. And let's just think about uh, opening our hearts to God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, that's an incredible prayer that we ought to periodically just come before God and say, God, show me this. You know, a few weeks ago, I was spending some time like this, and, and there was a thought that came through my mind that I'd never thought about. A thought, something in my heart that hurts me, something that I fear, that I dread, that causes me to react to other people in a certain way. It was a very personal thing, to be honest with you, but I'd never thought about it before until just at that moment, God said, this is, this is what you deal with. This is one of your issues. It's amazing how God will reveal truth to us when we give Him some time and some quiet. So in this, make sure that you're honest with yourself and you're ready to come clean. And when this happens, then write down what comes to mind so you don't forget it because you're going to make a list here. Think of the things that you know that you've done wrong. Write down the things that God may reveal to you that you've done wrong and consider the things that other people tell you. Now, now maybe you're one of those people, you've always got somebody talking in your ear telling you things and they may or may not be wrong or right, all right? So, use discernment. When it comes to what other people are telling you, use discernment. If several people tell you, you you know, give a little more weight, but realize that you have some responsibility and then you need to acknowledge some of those things and ask yourself, what are the things that I need to take responsibility for, my faults, my mistakes, and sins? And I want to tell you, that process would be very humbling, it really will. But if you want to know why, why you're dealing with things and maybe even go back a few years to write these things down, that will be very helpful to you. Then once you have a list, and you may add to it as you go, but once you have a list, accept responsibility for your faults. Accept responsibility. Own these things. See, the biggest barrier to my healing is me personally. It is so easy for me to blame all of my problems on other people if I were just to change friends, if I had some new friends, it would be better. If I could go and to another job, it would all be different. If I could just move to another town, I would start over. Everything would be fine. But the only problem is that wherever you go, somebody else shows up, and that's you. Wherever you go, there you show up. There you are. And that's a very humbling thing to realize that, you know what, that may be our biggest problem sometimes. We are our biggest problem. Some people never take responsibility for their problems. But here's the thing, if you are the common denominator uh, in every conflict that you're involved in, if you are the one, then it could be you. It's not always the other person. It, It may be you because you're the common denominator. It doesn't take long to figure that out. So you have to take some responsibility here. You can't rationalize, you can't minimize your part in it. Maybe all of it, most of it, may not be your fault. But if even one little bit of it is, even one little thing, take responsibility for your part in it. Because here's the thing, if we want to stop deceiving ourselves, uh, defeating ourselves, then we have to stop deceiving ourselves. If we want to stop defeating ourselves, we have to stop deceiving ourselves. If everything that happens in your life is somebody else's fault, then the issue is really you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Accept responsibility. And then the next step is that we ask God for forgiveness. Once we've identified these issues and we've owned them, let's ask God to forgive them. 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It says if we confess our sins. I don't know what that what goes to your mind when you hear that word, but here's what it means: it means that you have to agree with God. Agree with God that you have sinned. As long as we're in denial that we've sinned, that we have any responsibility, we can't be forgiven. Forgiveness can only come when there's acknowledgement. And so the word confess means that we agree with God. God's already said, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, and what you must do is agree with me. Because as long as you don't agree with God, you can't make any progress. Confession is agreeing with God, freely admitting our sins, and when we do that, God will forgive us. Now, a lot of us think, okay, we have to just keep asking God, God, please forgive me, begging God, you know, trying to cry out to God, We don't have to do that. God wants to forgive us. What He is waiting for is us to agree with Him, to confess our sins. We can't bargain with God. We can't bribe God. God, if you'll do this, do that for me. I'll do this for you. That doesn't work. We just believe. Believe He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's an amazing thing to experience the forgiveness of God. And you will know when you've experienced that, there's just a personal cleansing that you experience. And then we freely admit our faults to someone else. Now, I want to tell you, this is the part that's difficult, but it's necessary for recovery. The Bible says in James chapter five, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And some of you are going to push back on this because you still want to hide some things. You want to hide some things that nobody knows about. You think people won't respect you if you come clean. But let me tell you something that's, that's opposite that. I've had a lot of people come and share things with me that they struggle with in life. And never once do I start judging them. I respect that. I respect that 100%. If somebody can look me in the eye and say, Randy, this is what I struggle with. And I would like for you to pray for me about this or hold me accountable or whatever it is. You know, I respect that a lot. One thing I love about, it, I love the people that I know that are in recovery and are, and are doing great. I love about their honesty. The honesty to say, this is what I struggle with. This is my problem. Because you know what? Many of us who are not in recovery don't have that kind of honesty. We can't look somebody in the eye and say, this is what I struggle with. We want people to think we got it all together. We think they won't respect us if we come clean, but we have to admit our struggles to other people because our root problem really is relational. We lie and deceive one another. We keep secrets, and we're really only as sick as our secrets. And once we open those secrets up to someone that we trust, then suddenly the the, the hidden things go away, and they're ready to be healed, and they're ready to be restored. We can experience recovery. As long as we hide them, they get bigger. But when we confess them, the shame is released and we experience freedom. Now, let me tell you, part of the beauty of the church, the body of Christ, is that we are to be a forgiving, redeeming community that's willing to walk with people through the process. That's one reason why that, that we need to have relationships within the church to give us a safe place and a safe community, safe people around us. You know, Lori and I, we've been in groups for, for several years now. and I, I believe strongly in small groups and, uh, and it takes a night of the week that everybody's got other things to do. But I'll be honest with you, it's worth that for us to have a community of people that love us, that we love them, that we can talk to, we, we can trust, we can build some accountability into our lives. We all need that. Now, I don't think you ought to tell everybody everything. I'm not suggesting that. That's not a good way to go about it. But you need to tell somebody some things, the things in your life that need to be shared. Someone you can trust, someone who's spiritually mature someone who knows the Lord and who can reflect His grace and His forgiveness to you, we all need that kind of transparency and vulnerability in our lives. So here we go. We admit our sins and our guilt. We accept responsibility. We ask God for forgiveness. We share our struggle, admit it with others. And lastly, we accept God's forgiveness and we forgive ourselves. We accept God's forgiveness and forgive ourselves. You know, that may seem a little too easy, But it really is true that we can experience God's forgiveness. And at some point, we have to learn to let it go ourselves. Because freedom comes only when we lay our sins down at the foot of Jesus. That's the only time that you're going to be truly free. That's where the road to recovery, that's where it ends, right there. We lay them down. The problem is sometimes we lay them down, and then we pick them up and carry them again. And we lay them down, we pick them up and carry them again. We feel like that we can't trust God to let them go. But the Bible says in Romans 8, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. People may condemn you, but they're wrong. God doesn't condemn us anymore when we lay those down in Christ. Because what we're talking about is a free gift that God's giving to you, saying, let it go, let it go. That's where you find redemption. That's where you find forgiveness and hope and freedom. Now, it's a free gift, but we do need to recognize and view it with an awareness of what that forgiveness cost. It cost the greatest price ever, the blood of Jesus. And because Jesus laid it down and paid it for us, we don't have to anymore. It's gone. It's removed from us. So we can't take it lightly or abuse His forgiveness. We can't, you know, just keep doing it over and over again. We turn from it and we let it go. And then we walk away and experience His peace and His freedom. And let me tell you, that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to experience. I don't know how many people that I've got a chance just to see them let it go and to, to see them take a deep breath and just say, it's amazing that God can take this from me and release me And just this spirit, this freedom of purity and hope and freedom that God can give to them. And I would love for you to experience that. You see, I really believe that God wants us to lay down our load of guilt and shame and be free. I know that. I know that we long to let it go as well. And the great thing is that God says, this is yours, my gift to you. You can let it go and walk away. Come clean and give it to God. It's an important step on this road. Next week, we'll have another one. But let me tell you, if you haven't done these things, and I want to challenge you to do that. Last week, we, uh, Tony talked about committing our life to Christ, and, and you, can't, you can't experience his freedom until you've done that, that simple thing. And so if you're here today and you've never made a decision to give your life to, to Jesus and you know that isn't right, that relationship hadn't been repaired yet, then I would love to have that conversation with you, and, and we can do that anytime. Just let me know. I'm going to be up here on the front row. If you want somebody to come and pray with you, or just talk about what's going on, you can feel free to come up anytime between now and the end of our service. After the service, catch me. Whatever, I would love to encourage you, pray with you, and help you let it go. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. God, we just are. We stand in awe of your mercy and grace. We're so undeserving. We know that that God, we have broken your law, and law of man, and and we've broken relationships and. God, we've hurt ourselves, we've done dumb things, but you're such an amazing God that you just continue to reach out to us, to invite us to come to you. So God, as we come today, we want to lay our lives down in commitment and sacrifice to you. And God, in turn, because of what you have done for us through Jesus, we can have our sins lifted and we can walk away free, having left all with you and at the feet of Christ. So Lord, be with us now. Draw us to you. Give us freedom and joy in Christ. I pray these things in his name. Amen.